It's almost game day. The Banjo Bowl goes on Saturday. So today we welcome Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, to tee up the Banjo Bowl and ask whether or not the game should be renamed. Still with sports, there is a big basketball game this morning with Canada in the FIBA World Cup semifinals against Serbia. That game started at 3.45. And while it didn't go Canada's way, we spoke to the head of Basketball Manitoba, who says that sport is on the rise in a big way across the country. And it's the September of sequels. We tell you what's new at the movies this week, and both big ones are sequels. And it turns out there are quite a few sequels out this month. So we asked you, what's your favorite sequel, or maybe your least favorite? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Loren McNabb and Greg Mackling, who's back next week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, September 8th podcast for The Start. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today. Of course, we have lots to discuss on the big game tomorrow, the Banjo Bowl. But before that, uh, Loren, we just heard a basketball reference in Sarah's newscast there. And it's not often we start the show by talking about basketball. But there were some people who were up and at them just as early as us today to watch a, a significant basketball game for Team Canada. Huge game for Team Canada in the semifinals. The national team at the world and they're up at i think it was 345 was the start so they would have been up a bit before or before that and uh didn't get the ending they were looking for the final was 95 86 for serbia but uh I, I don't know the last time i paid attention to basketball like this in terms of just what canada did on the world stage because it wasn't really a thing and now here we are talking about it and so at seven o'clock we're going to check in with some fans who i'm hoping will stay awake until seven <laughs> now that the game is over um we had we were going to talk to them a bit earlier and then we thought oh what if it goes into overtime you know it might be close let's push this game to seven so adam i hope you're awake and ready to talk at seven o'clock about uh yes the team lost not the outcome you're looking for but the future of basketball looking pretty bright in this country and of course brett with the sea bears in winnipeg and what we've been hearing about the love of basketball at the root ground ground root level uh it's tremendous the growth of this game yeah and i i because I, I didn't even know this was a tournament until last week and a guy says hey canada's doing really well at basketball hey and i said what and then I looked at it, and yeah, then they, they were the 15th out of 16 seeds, and they made it into the semifinals. And the, with the coach of Slovenia in their last, after their last game when Canada beat them, said, this team could win this whole tournament, even beat the Americans. Uh, so Canada will have an opportunity to either play the United States or Germany in Sunday's bronze medal game. But yeah, just, yeah, it excites me to see the growth of this game because I've always been a, a huge fan of the game. And uh, there's always been, like, ever since I've been playing since the 90s, I've been shocked at the level of skill uh, that so many people have at this game. But I, I just don't think we ever quite had the the infrastructure in this country to really move it forward and grow the game. And now we see a lot of Canadians playing in the NBA. I think Canada has the highest representation of non Americans in that league. So, yeah, this is really, really exciting. And uh, the sky's the limit. They qualified for the Olympics. So that'll be fun. Lots, So much to discuss on basketball after 7 o'clock. Yeah, so 7 o'clock we'll speak with uh, the 
head of the Manitoba Basketball Association, who was up early watching this game. And maybe you just get some insight on how the game is growing in Manitoba because, you know, we always think about other sports or often think about other sports first. It might be your your hockeys or your soccer players that you're talking about. And I feel like now, every time I drive through a suburb or a neighborhood, um, it's basketball that I'm seeing played on the front driveways just as much. So we'll see if we can get some numbers from Adam after seven. We're going to chat this morning, of course, about the Banjo Bowl. Uh, we've, do we have the last pair of tickets to give away? Yes. We do have one final pair of tickets to give away, indeed. Oh, so at 9.35, we're going to check in with Derek Taylor about the odds of us winning this game, how we've done in the past, and, of course, just how you come off that overtime loss last week and move on and, and hope for better things this weekend. So that'll be fun. And uh, another important chat, and I think it is, uh, Brett, you spotted this story. At 6.37, we're talking about a windmill? Yes. Windmill? 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 A windmill in Quebec. I watched this. I saw this last night on Global National. There's a, there's a city called Pointe Claire on Montreal's West Island, and they, the, the symbol of their community is a windmill. It's actually like it's, it's in their logo uh, but the, the windmill itself, which is over 300 years old, is crumbling. It's falling apart, and and everyone agrees we have to save it. But they can't they can't come to terms. There's there's too much. There's red tape and there's squabbling, and they can't come to a decision. And it sounds like if they don't pull their heads out of the sand, they might lose the very thing that gives the community. It's at least part of its identity, right? It's a visual representation of it's a sign of pride. So we just wanted to have a conversation about landmarks and the importance of them and and how like at what point do you decide, okay, we need to save this or it's time to let it go. And I think everyone can name something. If it's not in your neighborhood in Winnipeg, it might be in the drive that you make out to your cottage or the drive out to a friend's house. Or we were talking about our small town visits last week, Brett, and so many small towns have those landmarks that people will note as they drive by and they're part of that community. And what's the community's will to keep them not just up and running, but to keep them looking good. I think of uh, you would have driven past this on your way to your uh, golf classic this year. In Gladstone, they have that happy rock. And just in the last year, because Gladstone, Happy Rock, get it, haha. But it's a giant rock with a face on it, and it's super cute. People stop and take pictures and stuff like that. And it had, it was sort, of, wasn't crumbling over the past few years, but it definitely needed a facelift. And somewhere along the way, it got a paint job and got all spruced up and cleaned and spray washed, and it looks great. And it's the little things that might make your community sort of stand out. And so, what are you willing to do to keep those landmarks? part of the community are you willing to let them go do you want to let them go and 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 how do you pay for all that so it's a good chat i am wondering which route we actually ended up taking because i don't remember seeing the gladstone rock so uh, now i'm wondering because of construction maybe you'd went did you go through brandon Mm. or did you take highway 16 um, you got I can't, I can't remember. There was construction. There was construction. We, we So we played Minnedosa. I just don't remember where we bailed off of Highway 1. I think we might have gone up five. Oh, then you missed Happy Rock. Yeah. yeah. I'm not because there was a there was a question of construction uh, on the way to Minnedosa and maybe maybe we should take a different route because yeah. I think otherwise we would have gone up 16. But uh darn, I I would have called played the the big brother uh, or power of veto and made sure that we went past Gladstone. But thanks for the heads up on that. We'll make sure next year to head past the Happy Rock. So I'm more not in the way. I'm saying it's a destination, the Rock, but you know, you're pa- you're passing it. 
Some stuff. Yeah, I want to see it. Photo. Yeah. It's something that's been discussed on this station before. It's a sign of pride, and it, it's it, it's just a fun thing to see in pictures. So it would be nice to see that in person. So we'll have more on that at 6.35, and I should just, I will forget about this, so I'm just going to mention this now uh, as, if, as it pertains to the Banjo Bowl. Did you hear who's going to be there tomorrow? No. Chris Streveler. Is going to be no, at the Banjo Bowl. No, wonderful. He is going to be signing autographs at the tailgate from 1.30 oh, to 2.30 at the Princess Auto tailgate. So, yeah, cool. Dust off the fur coat. What did you point out about Strebler this week? Isn't he got, doesn't he have a new role of some sort? Uh, Job? Is he, is he, or is it Greg that sent us? Greg, when he's away, still has always said he was <laughs> And I feel like it was about Strebler and being an, an announcer. Oh yeah, um, that's right. He was doing he was um it, he was doing some color commentary, I believe, for uh, an, an, an American university. <laughs> I oh wish boy. I had See, I put you on the spot. On I don't know why I assumed it was you who said that, <laughs> which, which is just foolish of me. Of course, it was Greg. <laughs> of course, it was Greg. Not here. Sending that stuff anyway to talk about. So I'll, there you go. We'll find the link in the many <laughs> links that get sent to us by our little buddy Greg Mackling. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today, and we will discuss the Banjo Bowl a bit later on this morning at 9.35 with Derek Taylor. And we've got tickets to give away. We'll tell you how to win them in your next segment. Lorena, have you ever been to a Banjo Bowl? I have. I've been to a couple of them. Um, not going this year. Just didn't get tickets in time. But yeah, it can be a fun. It's a it, Not can be. It is an amazing time. It's a fun game. It's a great time of year for football. I'm just trying to read now. There's a story out of Regina I, I don't know if this is just for a joke or true that they're trying to rename the game as far as the Rough Rider fans are concerned as the Labor Day rematch. Oh, as, as opposed to calling it the Banjo Bowl. <laughs> I don't know if that's just a tongue in cheek article or, or if that's an actual initiative from the Riders organization to try to change that name that has been around for almost a decade so that, that's making me giggle this morning i was distracted i was like what is this honestly an attempt here what's going on i could i could see the the fairness in in that yeah. there's certainly a discussion to be had there although they they have that amazing banjo bowl trophy so i hate to no. see that go away i for, when it when it when the name went out you know that uh, and it was about how they were labeled and then what it says about that and stereotypes and all the rest. There certainly has been in the past and will be again a discussion about, you know, the niceness of that name and the fairness and all the rest. But it's not as much fun to say Labor Day rematch. No, no, it is absolutely not. It has, it's, it just feels like a like a follow up, whereas the Benja Bowl gives the game its own identity. So anyway, maybe we can ask Eric about that at 935. Uh, but then we'll tell you in our next segment how you can win tickets for that game tomorrow. In the meantime, right now, we want to talk about landmarks and how important they might be to you, because a city on Montreal's West Island is struggling with what to do with a landmark. It's a 310-year-old windmill that serves as a symbol of that city, but, Loren, it's falling apart. So as Global's Mike Armstrong reports, while everyone agrees it should be saved, there's no agreement about how. It is basically everywhere. Point Claire's windmill is on its city hall, its water tower, it's on signs as you drive into town, and as you drive around town, it's literally on every street sign. But there's a big difference between Point Claire's windmill logo and the actual windmill. The real one is, well, to be blunt, crumbling. 
it's in terrible shape and it is disintegrating as we speak and we have to do something about it. It is an embarrassment. The windmill was built in 1709 by missionaries in what was then New France. Farmers used it to ground grain into flour and it was also a fort, a defensive position in case of attack from the south. This is one of the earliest photos taken the year of Confederation, 1867. It's something that is a source of, of, of wealth and value, not just for Point Claire, but for the entire province. The land and the windmill are owned by the Archdiocese of Montreal. Spokesperson tells Global News they're committed to finding a solution, but admits the process has been challenging. There was a deal with the city to restore the windmill, but some councillors pulled their support. Public access was not guaranteed, which is a line of the sand, amongst other things. The deal would have had the city put up close to a million dollars and the province another million. The mayor says most issues can be solved. It's that price tag that's the biggest problem. Some people think it's irresponsible to put this amount of money towards the windmill. I don't think it is. I think it's the only way we're going to save the windmill. Well, this is kind of everyone's best case scenario. A windmill about a half hour away was built right around the same time and was restored last year. In fact, it actually works and can do demonstrations. Unfortunately, the parties trying to fix the problem in Point Claire have been going around and around for a couple of decades. The local Heritage Society has already actually raised funds and bought millstones. It hopes to install someday. Mike Armstrong, Global News. Point Claire, Quebec. And if you want to see that story, you can find that at globalnews.ca and take a look at it. It's really a majestic structure, Loren, and the fact that it's on every street sign, like it's clearly important to the community and the fact that they can't wrap their heads around how to save it uh, just kind of, well, I mean, I guess I guess you, get, you have these squabbles in every community, can't figure out what to do to, to take action and get something done in small communities and big ones, and I think often of, about the different buildings in Winnipeg that are named heritage status or given heritage status, and sometimes that is great for that building. It allows them to do certain things, and sometimes it just means you can't do anything to fix it. Right behind us at 201 Portage, there's a building that's uh, been standing there empty and disgusting for, it feels like, 20 years, at least 10, and it's because it has some sort of heritage status, you can't just tear it down. You can't just do things to it. And so there, there is that conundrum there. But if you're going to say something that's so important that you're putting it on a stamp or you're putting it on a photo or it's on all your tourism pictures or it's a, you know part of the restaurants and all the rest, then you have to do something to maintain it. I guess it's just it's easier said than done when it comes to money and and the how. We are going to update our question of the day momentarily at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. An over 300-year-old windmill that is the symbol of Point Claire, Quebec, is at risk of falling apart if action isn't taken. How important are community landmarks to you? And I just think you mentioned the... Uh, was it the Happy Rock? Is that what it's called in Gladstone? In Gladstone, yeah. And it's more just a fun, like, it's not like it's got a big history to it in the sense of been around for hundreds of years, but it is a fun little landmark for sure. Yeah, but you know, those things I think are important and give a sense of pride. I think of High Neighbor Sam in Transcona and how that statue was restored in uh, late 2021 mm-hmm. into 2022. And it's just, you know, as a Transconian, it, it, it brings me a sense of pride, but it's also a way to welcome people into Transcona. I mean, how can you not look at that, that statue and smile? For sure. There, and there, there might be the fun things that kind of give you the little identity or the ones that have been around for a while. I know in my hometown, 
you might have recalled seeing that big clock in the downtown. There's a one of the older buildings in in Minnedosa has a big clock at the top, and it's often broken. And so I wonder if it's just the challenge of finding the money to repair it, or maybe no one knows how to repair it. You know, when it gets to a certain age, who has the skill to mm. know how to fix the clocks or the pipe organs or have that masonry stone skill to keep it in its sort of original order? That might be part of the problem too for certain certain structures and landmarks. So let us know at 204-780-6868. How important are landmarks to you? And again, you'll be able to cast your vote at cjob.com. Just trying to figure out the wording. There's a character limit. And uh, sometimes it just takes a few attempts to figure out. Okay, so I'll have that up in the next three minutes at cjob.com. It is McGarry and McNabb. A uh, note from Ron saying southbound Maine down to one lane at Assiniboine again. For So watch out for that. We got Banjo Bowl tickets to give away. And last week at the end of our show, Hal asked me, uh, as we was getting ready to take over with Connecting Winnipeg, just about the number of sequels that were in theaters this month. And I counted them up. There are seven sequels in movie theaters for the month of September. The September of sequels. So we'll get more into that at 7.35 when we tell you what's new at the movies this weekend. But since we're talking sequels today, what's your favorite sequel or perhaps your least favorite? 204-780-6868. Tell us which one and why. Cameron Poitras, why don't we start with you? Well, I'll, I'll like my favorite sequels are are definitely like the Two Towers and and Return of the King, of course, Empire Strikes Back, The Dark Knight, that sort of stuff. Uh, but this is a, a sequel that got me into this film franchise, and I saw it in theaters for the first time, and it blew my mind. And and I've been a fan of of them ever since. So here's here's the clip. If you can guess what movie it is, how do you get rats off an island? Hmm? My grandmother showed me. We buried an oil drum and hinged the lid. Then we wired coconut to the lid as bait, and the rats would come for the coconut, and boink, 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 boink. they would fall into the drum. And they began to get hungry. And one by one, we would start eating each other, <laughs> until there are only two left, the two survivors. You take them and release them into the trees. But now they don't eat coconut anymore. No, they only eat rat. That was uh, Javier Bardem in Skyfall uh, Sky. from, uh, of course, James Bond, Daniel Craig. I absolutely love that movie. It's in my top 10. Um, yeah. It got me into James Bond. Absolutely. I started watching. I had really never seen a, a James Bond movie before that. Um, and I, I'd seen Casino Royale, but I felt like it was too long. And then I watched Skyfall. I went back and I watched Casino Royale and it was awesome. And so, yeah, da- definitely Daniel Craig's my favorite. <laughs> I have mixed emotions about those uh, James Bond movies with Daniel Craig. They're all exciting, but uh, one of them's good, one of them's not. The other's good, the other's not. The other's terrible. I don't know. So, But, yeah, that's a good one, Skyfall. I need to go back and watch that. And just listening to Javier Bardem. It's a great scene. Oh, he is so intense. <laughs> He's a scary, scary man. No country for old men. One of the most haunting performances ever. Loren, what about you? Oh, there's so many things on the list of the worst is where I was going down this morning. And one that makes me laugh just because this is where our household was at. We watched the movie Cars like a thousand times when the kids are little. Yeah. And we're so excited when Cars 2 came out. And it's so funny how a cartoon can really disappoint you. That was disappointing. <laughs> and then this is just going to make me sound, I don't even know what, old. But 
I thought the Legally Blonde movie was funny when it first came out. I don't know if that was 15 or 20 years ago. It was a big hit. And you it was, I love it. You don't, it have have to your, you don't have to defend the things you like. Uh, I'm not defending the liking, but I'm <laughs> defending my age here because then uh, I had a girlfriend in town and we were, she was uh, coming in for a conference and she had a room at the Fairmont and she's like, just come hang out with me. We'll do the pool thing. Maybe we'll do a spa. Like We'll have dinner in the room. We'll just chill for the night. And we're all excited for this. Just, you know, we both have young kids at the time. You're exhausted. And we get to the room and uh, when you order, can you even do this in hotels still, like the pay-per-view? And it's so expensive, you know, like 25 bucks or something for this movie. And it's legally blonde too. And I think we got seconds in. Like sec- maybe two, maybe ninety seconds, and I was like, "No, this is horrible. This is horrific. Like just horrible, horrible, horrible idea." And I had to call down to the front desk and be like, "Take that brute that off the charge. Like this is we're not. I'm not paying for that. This is so bad. Please remove this from the uh, bill." So yeah, I loved Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde too. I don't even know what happened in that. There's another, actually, that could be a, a different conversation. Have you ever returned a movie or a video game? Well, I'll <laughs> jot that down. In the meantime, Sarah, what about you? Mine are, I loved the Shrek movies growing up from my childhood. And I think the second one is better than the first, just when all the fairy tale characters get together. The bad fairy godmother. But uh, Donkey, still my favorite. Are we there yet? Not yet. Hey, are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? Yes. Really? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? Hey, that's, hey, not, that's funny. not funny. Hey, that's really immature. That's really immature. The kingdom of far, far away donkey. That's where we're going. Far, far away. So I just love that one. Uh, and I don't know. I've got to watch those again. <laughs> they're, wor- they're working on a Shrek 5. Oh, my uh, gosh. See, they should have stopped after 2. The first, yeah. one, the first one came out when we were in grade 5, 4 Chain. It was huge. Yeah. I we still watched it love it. So many, oh, I quote it, like, me and my wife quote it all the time. I mm-hmm. love Absolutely. Shrek. I still watch it. Oh, yeah. It's a great movie. So I, was the third one bad? I saw the first eh, two. I it can't wasn't recall good. the It third. wasn't as, yeah. Shrek 4 was good, I think. I quit after the second one. I don't one. really remember. I watched the third one. I was like, I'm not going to give any time for the fourth one. <laughs> I think 4 was better than 3, and I agree 2 was better but than don't 1. Don't make yeah. me watch it now. <laughs> I'm not telling you. If you don't want to watch it, well, don't. Well, well, now I'm going to have to watch it. <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> uh, what about you, Forte? Okay, you know what? I was going to go with, uh, I am going with uh, bad ones, and I was going to say Grown Ups 2, but then Grown Ups 1 wasn't very good either, yeah. but... The, the, the second one just took the cake. But, uh, you know, I, of course I have to go to this one. Who is running the ship? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time. Position charges throughout the ship. Where is he? It's everywhere. <laughs> I've been in worse situations than this, and panicking does not help. Trust me. All right, I, I, I can't even listen to the rest. You know, I just uh, that is Speed Two, Cruise Control, terrible movie, just terrible. And like when I was looking for the trailer, and <laughs> you Google Speed Two, and some of the the uh, things I'm reading here, Sandra Bullock says she's still embarrassed by Speed Two. Oh, oh really? Speed Two, missing a hook and a line. It's a sinker. <laughs> so, that's all you gotta know. Just don't don't watch Speed Two. I just watched it recently oh. because I had watched Speed and loved it, and I had never seen Speed Two. I want I never got around to watching it because. 
the reviews were just so bad, so I avoided it. But I finally got around to watching it, and I'll, I will say I didn't hate it as much as I anticipated, but it really is, it is not a good film. Garbage. Is it, is it a boat? <laughs> is that the premise? Yeah, it's yeah, a cruise ship. Cruise ship. Okay. Uh, yeah. Willem Dafoe is the bad guy, and he's trying to take over the Don't ship. Don't spoil it! What if I want to watch this horrible, horrible film? You probably know within two minutes it. that Willem Dafoe is the villain. <laughs> and uh, and here's mine, and you might be able to decipher this and determine the film. You have many questions, and though the process has altered your consciousness, you remain irrevocably human. Ergo, oh, some of God, my answers you will scene. understand, and some of them you will not. Concordantly, while your first question may be the most pertinent, you may or may not realize it is also the most irrelevant. Why am I here? The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions. I'm not going to count The Matrix Resurrections in here. I'm actually going to say favorite and, uh, well, a combination of good and bad because I love The Matrix. I think it's a near-perfect movie, and I often question, did they need the sequels? I liked the sequels, but scenes like that that require uh, an actual analysis of what he's saying is what turns so many people off because the Wachowskis, they just kind of shove their heads up their own butts and the movies were way too pretentious yeah. and confusing to the average. So the average person who just wanted to see some Kung Fu and guns and whatnot were like, I don't get I, this. I hated that scene, but the scene was like my, my, I remember my uncle explained it like this. He said, I, I'm going to go hide in a closet and come and knock on it when the action scenes come out. I'll come out and watch those, and then I'll go back into the closet. That was literally the way he explained it. He loved the action, but the, like that stuff is just ridiculous. So I've never seen any of the Matrix. Me either. Oh, oh you have to see the first one. Oh my god, the first one's pretty cool. Your hubby would like it for sure. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today. In our next half hour at 7.35, we'll tell you what's new at the movies when we put our couch potatoes hats on. And then after Global News at 8 o'clock, Loren, we're going to tee up episode two of Richard Cloutier's Decision Podcast. Yeah, the campaign is in high gear as we look towards that October 3rd election. Of course, Richard has been putting together several series for his podcast on some of the main issues. And one of them, of course, probably the biggest might be health care and particularly how that looks in rural Manitoba. So we'll delve into that just after eight. Right now, we want to talk about dedicated basketball fans right across this country who were up long before the sun this morning. And for good reason. So it was a 3.45 a.m. start time for Team Canada at the World Cup semifinals in basketball. And while that game against Serbia did not go Canada's way, the men's team lost 95-86. There's still a chance they could win a bronze medal later this weekend. And that would be a first for the men's team at this tournament. So Adam Wedlake is the executive director of Basketball Manitoba. And he set his alarm for that early, early game. Good morning, Adam. Are you still awake or have you napped? Hey, Lauren. Good morning. Yeah, it was an early start, earlier than I'm normally. Uh, I heard about this rumor that 3.30 a.m. was a thing, but I never experienced it. <laughs> it's an early one, but uh, pretty rarely, so you got to take advantage of them. We were laughing because that's the time we're up in the morning, right? And I thought yeah. it's such a shock to the system. Were you excited right to the finish despite well, you know the loss on, on the court? How did how did you feel about how they played? Well, they they came. It was tough. Serbia is a definitely a, a world power in basketball, um, and uh, the fact that we even got to this stage here uh, for our country for basketball is 
is uh, one that happens uh, very, very rarely, and this is actually the furthest the team has ever gone at this event in the history of, of our sports. So the fact we're even in the, even talking about this this late in the tournament is is an achievement in itself. But yeah, it was a tough uh, tough start. They kind of played on their heels most of the game, early foul trouble, uh, kind of put the team on a, on a bit of a. Uh, not not the greatest path, and the fact they only lost by nine um, is relatively close for for really the feel of the game. But overall, still super pumped that they are uh, at this level and and uh, competing for uh, world supremacy in basketball. Well, how, I'm curious about parity overall on the international scale because I think of you know early '90s, the dream team, the uh, Americans assembled a team of NBA superstars, which is arguably the greatest basketball team to ever be assembled, and they demolished everyone in their path. But that was an extreme example. But from what I can tell, there is a lot more parity now on the international scale. Like to hear the word you, you describe Serbia as a world power. Uh, just see like that that kind of caught me off guard so is that where we're at right now where there's a lot more balance it's crazy that it's that and actually the you know, the um the 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 dream team that you mentioned there in the early 90s really set that tone around the world um that, that really brought the game to be a sort of more of a global game and in, in the last generation here that uh, we've really seen that um uh, become uh so widespread around the world, and and that's where we're, we're reaping some of those rewards with, uh, in uh, locally here with some immigration that comes into into Manitoba here that people come with a, a passion and experience already with basketball, which makes our job here a lot a lot easier to get more people active and involved uh, in the game locally. So let's talk about it locally, Adam, because I know we spoke to you a few years ago when the Raptors won their championship and the impact that could have on the game when people see a possibility right. of you know, a future and then you talk about the national team on the world stage. What are you seeing for numbers locally? Well, that was we, we really hit a high mark there in 2019, Toronto Raptors winning the, the NBA championship uh, then, and that really saw a spike, sort of see these high watermarks um, that uh, our sport has seen over the the last generation and, and and beyond, and that was a huge one. And of course, then then everything took a, a backseat to in 2020 and 2021 with the pandemic, and that kind of put everything on hold. And and it's it was just like for everything out there was a tough a tough goal. But but things like this definitely put uh, make our jobs a lot easier. Not that that's what's important, but it definitely opens up a lot more doors and gets more people excited about the game and and uh, and and active. That's really the biggest part of why. Sport is important. I, I really don't. It doesn't matter what sport you're active in. I think the fact you're active in any sport uh, is is positive and and has huge ramifications of positivity in our community. Uh, the fact that it's basketball, we're talking about that obviously is what my passion is and what I'm here for. Uh, but yeah, we're definitely seeing a uh, just in the last uh, year coming out of a, a tough two years uh, a real resurgence in, in our in our game and and things like this only make things easier and, and better and. And uh, more exciting, of course, to be around. Is basketball a more accessible game than other sports? And I think of hockey, for example. And this is not a criticism of hockey in any way, but it's expensive with all the the equipment and whatnot that's involved. Whereas if, in basketball, if you've got a ball uh, and a pair of shoes, you can pretty much go play basketball. That's pretty much it. And you've got outdoor. Uh, we've got more and more outdoor courts being built all the time throughout the, throughout Manitoba, and that even removes another barrier, just physical space, just getting into a space uh, through the uh, the nicer months that we're in right now. Uh, but, yeah, that's definitely a, an attractive piece. I think soccer carries that as well with a very low barrier 
um, entry points into getting active into the game, and that's of course what you want. And and uh, I, I said just a moment ago of, of uh, tying it back to immigration with newer new families coming into Canada, uh, landing in Manitoba. Uh, a lot of them have uh, already a deep history in basketball. Uh, a lot of them coming out of Asian countries or, or African countries, and even just recently with more Ukrainian families landing here, uh, uh, basketball is huge in, in Ukraine, and we're seeing uh, that echoing uh, effect of what's happening there with families landing in, in Manitoba here, bringing a, bringing a basketball with them, really, and and, uh, and that's uh, obviously a positive experience that they're bringing that uh, uh, maybe coming out of a negative situation. So it's 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 nice to see and how, uh, that we we can use our sport to break down barriers, get people active and involved in the community, and and uh, get them really integrated into uh, into Canadian society. So you're up at 3:30 for the semifinal game. Canada didn't win, but we still have a chance to medal at that bronze medal game. My big question, Adam, are you going back to bed now? <laughs> this is like my half my my day's already half done here. <laughs> it's lunchtime. <laughs> Exactly. So maybe, but we'll see. I've got a few more things going on today. Adam uh, yeah, There's another early one. Uh, they play again. I think it's even earlier, actually, on uh, Sunday morning. Oh. Uh, I think it might be a 3 a.m. or 2.30 a.m. start. Uh, but it, but bottom line, it's 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 amazing that the, the team actually did qualify for the Olympics. This was one of the uh, the big pieces coming out of the uh, the World Cup. Is is uh, Canada finished top two in the Americas, which covers all of North and South America, and so they've already qualified for the Paris Olympics next summer. First time it'll be first time in 24 years that our team uh, Canada has been there for the men's for men's basketball. So it's long time coming, and uh, that was a huge one they had a few nights ago. Over uh, the number one team in the in the world, Spain, uh, even even uh, more dominant than the American teams, uh, hard to believe, but that's true. Uh, so that was huge, and it's an uh, exciting time for basketball. And I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, of course, the the impact that the uh, the Sea Bears have had locally here with uh, uh, being bringing professional basketball back to Winnipeg after a long. Uh, hiatus as well, so that's been a, a huge resurgence in what's uh, what's happening basketball-wise here in the, in the province. Adam Wedlake is the Executive Director of Basketball Manitoba. Thank you very much for joining us, sir. We appreciate the time. Happy to join. Happy to love to talk basketball. Have a good day, all. Now, in the meantime, it was the listener Lee Rimmer who was talking about pulling out his recorder to play Three Blind Mice. Forte, what you got for us this week? Oh, it's Star Wars. <laughs> I'm not sure that uh, this would have qualified to get in for that Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra show of Star Wars versus Star Trek that the Couch Potatoes hosted a few years ago, Forte, but not bad. Not bad. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So the reason we're talking about sequels today is last Friday, uh, just before Connecting Winnipeg started, Hal Anderson asked me about what's up with all the sequels this month. So I looked into it, and there are a lot, and I'll, we'll give you the full list in a moment, but two of them are out this week including My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. One wedding started a global phenomenon. Greek voodoo. Bam! Now your favorite big Greek family is back for more. Let's do it! On September 8th. You got us back to Greece. You're the head of the family now. This is going to be fun. You're invited. Where are your eating pants? I baked the goat. To the feel-great movie of the year. It's the one we have for dinner. Uh, I'm a vegetarian. 
No. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, rated PG-13, only in theaters September 8th. So Winnipeg's Nia Vardalos is back as the star, writer, and director of this threequel. That first movie came out back in 2002, and as you may remember, it was a huge hit. Its budget was $5 million, and it made $368 million worldwide. They finally made a sequel in 2016, and this new one takes them to Greece for a family reunion. Looks like fun, but it's not getting the best reviews. It's at 30%, and I am almost ashamed to admit this, Loren, as a Winnipegger, but uh, I confess I've never, I haven't seen either of the first two. Oh, wow. You know, I the first one I re- distinctly remember being, we stayed in Winnipeg around Christmas, and it was my whole family, plus my grandma and grandpa, we went to see it, and from, I think at that time, you know, I'm in my 20s, and you have grandparents in their 70s, 80s, and everyone Loved it. It was really funny, that first one. The second one was just okay. And I saw the trailer, like the more extended trailer for this third one a few weeks ago and thought, well, I don't even need to see the movie now. Like it showed (laughs) absolute, it felt like it showed the beginning, middle and end. So it had sort of all the same elements of the first. I I don't, I know this is the problem when when something's a big hit, I get why people are compelled to make a sequel because Mm -hmm. it made so much money, first of all. But also you want to do it because it was fun. And it just usually quite often, that's why we're talking sequels. They're just never as good, typically. Yeah, and uh, that first one, well, and move on the subject of movie trailers, you're right. There are a lot of movie trailers nowadays that, that give away too much. And there are some, I remember there was one, it was a terrible movie anyway, but it was Terminator Genesis, and there was a huge uh, swerve in that story, and they revealed it in one of the trailers. And I thought... What? Like, why would you give that away? I don't even. I don't. I don't even want to see the movie now. And I, I turns out I shouldn't have because it stunk. Uh, the other sequel that's out this weekend is The Nun, Chapter Two. I had a series of visions when I was younger, and after each one ended, the same thought would be stuck in my head. What did you see? I saw a nun. Not just any nun, the nun. So the nun was originally featured in The Conjuring 2 in 2016. And Loren, as a fan of scary movies, did you watch The Conjuring films? Yep, I watched them. And I think I just rewatched one recently. I'm trying to remember which one. Okay. Uh, they were good. They're really they good. Were, they were scary. Like, they were hands down very scary. Yeah, then The Conjuring 2, The Nun is one easily, just total nightmare fuel. One of the scariest things I've ever seen on film. So, naturally, they had to spin it off into its own movie because now they've got their own universe, The Conjuring Universe, because everything's got to be a universe now. And uh, that one came out in 2018. And it was weird because whereas The Conjuring 2 was deadly serious and really scary, The Nun was... Kind of not. It was actually sort of campy and silly at times. It didn't. It couldn't figure out what it wanted to be, either really scary or really silly. Did you happen to see that one? No. Okay. No. Um, Terrible I'm just, reviews, I was actually too. trying to look up the trailer now to, to trigger my memory, but no, I did not. Yeah, it had bad reviews, 24%, uh, but it made a ton of money, $365 million. So now we've got the sequel. I don't really know what I need to tell you about the plot. There's an evil demon nun doing evil demon nun things. So uh, it's getting slightly better reviews. It's at 53%. Uh, so I don't know, it might be worth a look if you're a scary movie person. So those are the two new ones in theaters this weekend. But as far as the September of sequels goes, so we had The Equalizer 3 last week. Mm-hmm. We had My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 and The Nun 2 this week. Next week we have A Haunting in Venice, which 
kind of a sequel, I guess. It's you know, it's 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 the latest Kenneth Branagh movie as Hercule Poirot, based on the books of Agatha Agatha Christie. Uh, so that's uh, next week, and then September twenty second, The Expendables four with Sylvester Stallone and his big macho crew. And then on the 29th, we've got Paw Patrol, the Mighty Movie, which is a sequel, and Saw X. <laughs> so seven sequels this month. Saw. Now, the first one was great. I never saw any others after the first one, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, I that first Saw was, I, I mean, it's gross, but it was it was a really cool movie. With a, I did not see the ending no. coming. That and then, was incredible. And then they 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 became they, there is that stretch of Hollywood uh, history where it was torture porn I think is what they ended up calling it where all the like the hostile movies and the Saw movies it was just gore 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 and I think it was Saw three that really pushed it as far as I was willing to go I've seen most of them but I have a hard time I've got I don't know if it's just because I've gotten older and more squeamish but I have a hard time with those movies so I don't well, know I was gonna ask you like you know there's something about our psyche where we people enjoy being scared i don't know what that's about but i have you ever watched or do you watch these movies by yourself or do you ha- need to have someone with you uh if it's like a scary it up- if it's a scary scare like a, a scary movie yeah um <laughs> i would prefer to watch it with somebody but i've watched a few scary movies on my own like i think i've watched the ring finally again oh. by myself no that movie no. scared that daylights out of me i refused to watch it for years uh, to rewatch it but I watched it again by myself, and it wasn't so bad. But these Saw movies, they're they are not so much scary. They're just, they're hard to watch. So. Well, the, the first Saw, I was living in Toronto, and in my apartment, the water got shut off for a few hours, and so you couldn't use the washrooms. And there was a public, but there was a couple of different floors that had, like, public washrooms you could oh, go no. use in the lobby. And, the, and I, I made my friend, like, you have to come go to the bathroom with me right now. <laughs> like, I cannot go there alone. That's right. Because like, that, that's where they were. That's where they were set. The whole movie was set yeah, in the bathroom. I was like, "There is no way I'm like I will just. I either I'm going to pee on the floor, or you're coming with me. That's what's <laughs> happening." Sorry, that was graphic, but that's how scared I was. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I got to go back and rewatch that first one because that was a classic. I think. Uh, so those are the new movies that are out this weekend. The Couch Potatoes. Podcast is available now at cjob.com, or you can, of course, listen to the show on 680 CJOB, Saturdays and Sundays, or across the country. You might not be listening from Winnipeg right now. We're on in Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Kamloops, Toronto, Hamilton, and London. And by the way, Alexandra Paul, congratulations. This week's winner of Couch Pole Tatoes. Picking up a tickets and treats voucher for Landmark Cinemas. And this week's question, Winnipeg-born actor and director Nia Vardalos returns as Tula in My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. What's another wedding rom-com you're married to? The Wedding Singer, The Wedding Planner, Wedding Crashers, or My Best Friend's Wedding? Cast your vote at cjob.com. I'd go with The Wedding Crashers, I think. Yeah. I think you'd have to. Mm, wedding Singer is good. That is pretty good. That's a I tough one. I also like my big, or uh, the, um, Best friends, what? I don't know. That's a tough one. It depends on what you're watching for, right? Like the hilarity, the nostalgia, the romance, the red hair, you know? <laughs> Cast your vote, cjob.com, <laughs> for your chance to win a tickets and treats voucher for Landmark Cinemas. Once again, congratulations to Alexandra Paul. Right now, we want to talk about healthcare, education, crime. What's the issue that will decide your vote in less than a month's time? 
Yeah. Is it about a specific issue like your access to hospitals or maybe it's just about where you live? 680 CGOB's Richard Cluche has been putting together these podcasts that are going to help, I think, so many people sort of really get into the issues and maybe even let you decide how you might want to vote. He went to southwestern Manitoba recently and he met with a group of mayors and Reeves who were frank about their aspirations and concerns. And so if you can think of all the things you just listed, Brett, well, imagine now if you're in rural Manitoba and your access to so many of these things like health care, schools is limited. Here's a preview of that podcast. We're beating on doors, looking for cash for everything, and we all are. Phillips invited area politicians for a chat about the opportunities and the problems facing the region. We are all in an interview online with them talking about how they have the websites and you can do the whole things, and our internet went down and we got turfed. What yeah. better thing is there for that? And I'm sure they have a good reason for it. They're saving a little bit of money by closing these offices down, but it's still taking jobs and positions out of these small communities that would, would attract somebody to move to our town. And while there's talk about growth, those gathered at the clubhouse at the Oak Lake Golf Course have one thing on their mind. Our ER is only open for a certain amount of time. Like we've, we've been down to uh, one doctor basically that uh, that works at the hospital. Doctor is on for quite some time now. And he's done his best to try and keep always been a farm community and we always will be. Melita Mayor Bill Holden drove 80 kilometers from his town that straddles the border with North Dakota. Primary health care to start with. I spent two hours listening about the promises made and broken, a regional plan that hasn't materialized, paramedics and nurses that exist only on paper. But we are down to two nurse practitioners right now in Melita and Dr. Dazon, who is retiring. By the way, the doctor in Melita is retiring in December. He's 85 years old. They don't know if Melita's open. They don't know if Delarain's open. They're not even sure about Burden or Cirrus anymore. We had actually, uh, um, he used to be the lab tech in Melita, had a heart attack, drove himself to Brandon. I mean, like, it was just, you know, just couldn't count on the healthcare system. There's anger, frustration, and some resignation in the room. It's scary for people. Verdon Mayor Tina Williams. We're doing okay. It's the consistency of the doctors. Williams says the Verdon Hospital has up to eight doctors. We've been open a long time, but it only happens once before people are freaked out. But an incident that resulted in the ER actually closing down for 12 hours sent a shock through the community. And now they think something bad's happening. Do I bother to try and go to Verdon and get there and it's not open or go and they don't have the services. And rather than relying on plans made in Winnipeg to provide care closer to home, the mayors and Reeves are trying to work together. Yet Williams and Holden say it's tough. We don't want to take away from the smaller towns, but if we don't hold it, who's holding it, right? Like it's scary. You don't want to fight each other, but at the same point, we're all fighting the bigger place. I don't know where we go from there. And that's kind of what we've said too, is that it's almost to the point where where they've pitted communities against each other to yeah. try and compete for services like this. Yeah. It's uh, breathtaking when you hear just about that access and where to go when you need help, right? And so I was even looking at Doctors Manitoba website, Brett. They have a very clear instruction for rural health care on their website that says rural care, be aware. And to plan ahead, you need to know in the community you live in where the closest and then second closest ER might be. You need to know the schedule. You need to know how to call because 911 is usually the place to go. But there are some communities or parks that you might have to call a local number to get an ambulance. And then how long might it take for that ambulance to get there? And all these different rural communities or these rural health authorities have schedules that they post online so that you can go up and look at that. So say you're going to the White Shell just this weekend, you know, you could look for today that Pine Falls has 
emergency department services available until 8 p.m., but then nothing for the rest of the weekend. And then if you or, or, or sorry, and then tomorrow that changes it. They're not available. And then Sunday they are, they are available. And Pinawa has got nothing at all all weekend. And Ashern has some and then not other days. It's, it's, so if you're, if you were used to going to the hospital and now that's all changed, then you really have to be like plotting how to get somewhere in an emergency. It's crazy. And I'm sorry, did I hear correctly that a lab tech from Melita had a heart attack and drove himself the 130 kilometers to Brandon? Yeah. And that's, and and I don't know if the circumstance was that he just knew it would take a while for that ambulance to get there. Because if you think we have a shortage of paramedics here, rurally, it's even harder. And then they've centralized a lot of these stations so that the, where the ambulance is, is coming from might be farther than it used to be. There's all sorts of stories like that out there where people wait, you know, your local volunteer group might come and then, and they'll be there quickly. But for that, ambulance to transport you to hospital it might take a longer time and by no fault of the paramedics they're just run off their feet and so uh, some of those smaller towns they're right they are pitting towns against towns because you want to fight to keep what's yours but that system's not working and so now they're do you centralize the hospitals do you have more hub type things i mean can you imagine driving yourself no. You're not supposed to. There's a, the campaign that's been out there is call 911. Do not drive yourself to hospital if you're experiencing a heart attack. I, But that's what you're left thinking. I'll, I'll, I'll probably die if I wait, so I'm going to hit the road. You can listen to the full second episode of The Decision. It'll be available later today. Episode one, examining the demographic crunch of an aging population and promises made and broken on personal care homes. Available right now at cjob.com. Click on the Audio Vault podcast icon on the website and episode one is there. Episode two, later today. And of course, we have a debate coming up. Monday, September 18th, the three leaders of the main parties will debate the issues right here on 680 CJOB. And next week, we're really going to start hammering down with the leaders on some of the key issues for all of us. So you'll be hearing them speak on different shows Tuesdays and Thursdays every week right up until October 3rd. And we also have the promise tracker up at CJOB.com. McGarry and McNabb, last chance to get in on Banjo Bowl tickets. We're asking you this morning in the September of sequels, what's your favorite or least favorite sequel? Dave McDonald says Death Wish 2. Very violent, of course. Not for all tastes, but pretty much defines the term of edge-of-your-seat thriller and guaranteed to make anyone an instant Charles Bronson fan. The other sequels in the series are hit or miss, no pun intended. So then I suggested to Dave... How about the Death Wish sequel, The Simpsons, highlighted? Tonight, we review an aging Charles Bronson in Death Wish 9. I wish I was dead. (laughs) So, Dave, thank you for that. Last chance, we'll pick a winner in our next segment for the Banjo Bowl tickets. In the meantime, Loren McNabb, Greg usually does the intro here. Last week, I uh, offered you the opportunity. Would you like another crack, or should we just, uh, just say hello? She's on global. <laughs> it's even morning. better. In the morning, people. <laughs> I like that. I saw it really dry, kind of it's straight like the to the opposite. point. I, I'm is into it? that, Loren. You're like, this is Gabby. She does something. She's, she's okay. Here. Whatever. She's in our building. She's I work tall. with her sometimes. Sometimes she's she tall. says hi. She eats a lot of chips. She always smells like chip dust. She it's makes so great dip. Actually, yeah. that dip you had last week was amazing. 
Yeah, you know what? I'm a big, I don't really watch a lot of sports, Loren. Well, sorry, I do, but I'm more in it for the food. And that's a Super Bowl product is that buffalo chicken dip. So I'm so glad all of you felt well after. When I went home, I was like, whoa, so many people ate that buffalo chicken dip. Like imagine if I gave you all food poisoning and just took out the entire office. So I'm glad it worked out. There was chip dip yeah. in the building last You week? weren't here that day because I brought the leftovers for Greg and Loren was here in the office and she was walking by just scooping Tostitos every now and then. Where the heck like, was I? Was this no, one of those days I was off? Yeah, you're, you were golfing. Ah. It, was, it was a no questions asked. Like Forchie and I, I think Forchie and I dipped in. We went for a walkabout, you know? <laughs> yeah. Forchie and I, Abby I, I, had no idea that, that like she's you know, in I got the studio. <laughs> yeah. We just were walking by. We're like, well, we don't mind if we do. <laughs> like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know whose dip this is. I don't know why I'm eating it. Like, it didn't matter. It didn't matter sharing, zero content sharing is caring i love that you called it a walkabout a dip walkabout <laughs> well jay at seven twenty gets antsy gets squirrely and he needs to go for a walkabout and i've noticed it's a thing for him and so he just walks by talks to people and gets out eats some dip gets back <laughs> in and out quick little dip yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sorry i missed it sounds like it was a smash hit all around so one of the things we talked about this week Gabrielle, as uh, we were on live on location at a cold J.B. Mitchell on Wednesday to celebrate back to school is just things you miss about being in school, whether it's a class or your friends or maybe a school supply like uh, the, the teacher brought out a, a pencil sharpener for me, like one of those ones that you wind. And uh, Loren, you went to an investigate the magnetic protractor on his board. Very cool. So what do you miss, Gabby? I, okay, I miss school supplies so much. I really miss my parents paying for everything. But most importantly, <laughs> I really miss, we used to take glue. We would take the liquid glue and we'd put it on our hands and let it dry. And then we'd peel it off like it was skin. It's like the most satisfying thing. I actually bought a bottle of glue a few months ago and brought it over to my boyfriend's house. And he's like, you're so weird. And then I put it on my hands and let it dry. And I peeled it off at 33 years old. And it was so satisfying. It's still, <laughs> did you ever do that? I think so. Oh, yeah. Not to that extent. Did you ever take any actual skin with you? No, no, it's, it's not. It just peels off in these big, it's sort of like, it looks like snake skin. It just kind of comes off. I cannot explain to you how satisfying I might go home and do it today. Like, honestly, it's an, it's an addiction. <laughs> We're just talking about the regular, like the white glue. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I've 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 made contact with like crazy glue or super glue before. Oh, that sounds awful. It's well, it, and it was just like a dab. It was I didn't even I just brushed it, and I didn't realize it at the time until after, <gasps> and it kind of hurt, and it's sort of tough to clean off. You don't. Do not want to make any contact with that. It sounds like Loren knows. Like Loren, you should do that with your kids. What a fun activity. You know, they they always have the glue sticks now. I can't remember when we stopped doing the liquid glue. Oh, bummer. It's always just the glue stick. Maybe it became a problem. Probably <laughs> like, This problem. is unhealthy. It's toxic well, for your skin. When we were younger, eating the glue was an issue for some kids, for Excuse sure. Me? Excuse me? <laughs> or was who that just eating, like... Who is eating glue? So someone's going to... There is always one kid for sure in any class. Teachers weigh in, 780-6868. They will eat pretty much anything that's in front of them. <laughs> or sniff like, it. Or sniff yeah, it. Or sniff it out of curiosity. Yeah. What yeah. does it smell like? Like, I, I wonder, collect, like, how much Play-Doh goes oh, missing yeah. into the stomachs of children. Is that still a thing? I, Is Play-Doh oh, still yeah. even a thing? It's non-toxic. Yeah, oh, yeah. You can eat it. I have fond memories of actually eating shaving cream as a child because at my preschool in North Battleford, they, <laughs> they used to finger, we'd almost do like finger painting with shaving cream. And I'd always be like, well, this looks like whipped cream. And like, I tried every time they'd be like, 
oh no, oh no, it's not whipped cream. But then I consistently try it anyway every time, which was like every day. So ate a lot of shaving cream, which is definitely not good for you. Should point out that the law firm of Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, and Marshawn would like to just remind you that we there is in no way a recommendation no, to no, eat no. or sniff the glue or the shaving cream or the Play-Doh, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you, We just talked about people about not eating Tide Pods, and now we're just throwing oh, other objects. Also, do not eat those into the mix. Are They're people pre- eating Tide Pods again? No, no. No, we were talking about the the one chip challenge, which after the news yesterday that the stores are starting, they're starting to pull them out of stores. But that, you know, that one chip challenge, you buy the the chip, it comes in a package that's shaped like a coffin because it's so hot. And uh, there's a teenager in the States. The autopsy results aren't in yet, but a 14-year-old died. That's awful. After doing the challenge, he fainted and ended up... uh, several hours later, uh, passed away. Uh, so they're, they don't know if it was the chip that caused it, but we had a chat yesterday about all of these challenges. Like we, you know, the, the ice bucket challenge was a good one and it raised $220 million for ALS. But since then, how many stupid challenges have we seen? Like the milk crate challenge or the eating of the Tide Pods or what was it? Injecting chicken with NyQuil, Loren? Yes, like the sleepy chicken and then NyQuil. And the FDA had to put out a warning of like, do not do that. Why, people? I just want to know why. Why? It's the same reason why if you ever use your iron and it says do not iron your clothes while your clothes are on because some <laughs> idiot ironed their clothes while their clothes were on. Oh, my God. So they just put out all these warnings for everything because they, they someone somewhere is like, oh, gosh, someone's going to try to eat this or consume this. Or, or has you, done it. Yeah. You know Terrible. what, if you, if you just, I bet you if you just pick up any product in your home, shampoo, deodorant, whatever, there's probably a fine print note on there saying, warning, do not eat this. Yeah, I used to sometimes take little nibbles of the bar of soap when I was a child because it would smell so good. And I was like, oh, I want to try it. Also, do not do that. There's a lot of do not do's this morning. Don't do any of them. I feel like we have a whole other segment with Gabby we need to get through. Things Gabby tried to eat. <laughs> I'm very smell driven, okay? Here's one thing you should do. You should watch Gabrielle Marchand weekdays, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Global News Morning. AKA CKND Cable 9 Channel 12. Gabby, thank you very much. You nailed that. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, sir, and have a great Friday. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today. We're asking you for a chance to win Banjo Bowl tickets. Your favorite sequels, as always, this is a difficult choice. Your favorite or least favorite. Like, Kristen made me laugh because I can completely relate to this. We've on the subject of Star Wars, there were, you, you might. Not remember these, but these were made-for-TV movies. And Kristen says, Ewoks, the battle for Endor. Those early scenes is, are devastation that haunted my childhood. I expected a lighthearted adventure like the Caravan of Courage, which was also an Ewoks TV movie. But instead, all I got was emotional damage. I should rewatch them both now that I am all grown up and dead inside. <laughs> oh, boy. They are on Disney+. Plus, But, yeah, I remember watching them and thinking, whoa. That was a lot. That's the only one I've seen, I think, fully. Really? Is the Ewok one. <laughs> like the like Return of the Jedi or the, the Ewoks oh, made-for-TV movie? Sorry, I, I have seen the made-for-TV movie, and then I'm thinking of the Star Wars, the only one I've actually seen I, that I can remember anyway in full was the Ewok one. Okay. Yeah, that was a late, 
I think they were originally planning to have all Ewoks, or all Wookiees, sorry, in uh, Return of the Jedi, but I think they made the switch just because George Lucas saw better toy opportunities for the Ewoks, which, you know, worked yeah. out. I mean, I, well, kids loved the Ewoks. Where did the song come from? Like, where the e e e e Ewoks? That was the cartoon. That was the cartoon where the yeah. spirit of the forest folk. <laughs> As if you remember that. Good job. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I have that second line right, but I can see, I can hear that those creepy creatures singing that along. Yeah, I can hear it now too. Wow, good job. I wonder if that cartoon is on Disney Plus. But our winner, Loren, is Val, and I swear we did not select this because Greg would not. Like this, but uh, Val just tells a great story here. <laughs> Val says, they say movies mirror real life. Well, a great movie sequel certainly had an impact on mine. Jaws 2 was, of course, a huge summer release, and my friends and I were particularly terrified by the scenes of the shark circling under the water. The thing is, I was working as a lifeguard at Birds Hill Park that summer. On a very hot day, I was up in my chair and the beach was packed. Unbelievably, a shark fin appeared out in the deeper water and started swimming back and forth quite quickly. I started blowing my whistle like crazy and with the help of other guards, cleared the water. Finally, the fin approached the shore. Some old ball guy wearing a circle, swim fins, and the fake fin stood up and started howling with laughter. Most people thought it was funny, but not the park rangers who summarily kicked him out of the park. <laughs> an unforgettable moment all due to the impact of an exciting movie sequel, a movie I loved. Great for lifeguards. Val, terrific story, and good for you for endorsing Jaws too, because the sequels are often maligned. Uh, I, I gotta admit, I don't know that I've ever seen Jaws no, two. Me either, and I, I, and you know, part of me is like, Val, how did you fall for this? And the other part would be like, See, I knew it. I knew sharks were in lakes, <laughs> right? Like, isn't the Birds Hill one man-made too? <laughs> yeah, but they'll find a way. <laughs> According to at least Greg Mackley, who will not go near a body of water because of fear of sharks. Not mocking him. Hey, you, you, you want to sit in a pool? Sit in the pool and enjoy life. Val, you're going to the Banjo Bowl. Thanks to all for participating. But when it comes to tomorrow's big game, Loren McNabb, there are plenty of reasons to be fired up. And I know the Bombers don't need it. The fans don't need any reason to want to beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but uh, here we are. Redemption is on the line, as it often is this time of year. We lost just by two points in the Labor Day Classic. Of course, that was the, there was that completely unnecessary headbutt by Robertson against our QB, Zach Caleros. And so we want to get into what's at stake, pride, what else? Derek Taylor, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, joins us now. Good morning, Derek. Good morning. How would you rate this time of year? Like, obviously, we're all looking to the end game, which is, you know, hopefully getting to that Grey Cup again. But these past two weeks are some of the most, I think, for Bombers fans, special time of the year. Yeah, they're they're unusually intense, right, than, than what you'd expect from the 12th game of a 20. It's, it's, it's a nice, you know, charge in, in what's kind of a lull to the year. Okay, we're in first place. Everything's going well. Boop, 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 Uh, We've just whacked Montreal, like took Montreal absolutely to the woodshed. La, la, la. Oh, Sask is here, and now guys are headbutting each other, and there's extra roughness, and, and it's close. But really a needed charge this late in the season, and there was a little extra charge from uh, last week's Banjo Bowl warm-up. Derek, we're just uh, you're kind of cutting in and out, and maybe Forte, maybe it's better to just try to get Derek on the phone if that's possible, um, because yeah, we we lo we only heard about half of that. Although uh, I do enjoy the the boopadoop. Is, is wondering, Loren, if that's uh, official uh, play-by-play commentary? Yeah, 
It's in the color commentary handbook, page seven, boop to boop. When you run out of words to say, you just say boop to boop. But it's true. That's how it kind of felt up until this point. Like you're going along, we're going along. And then you have these two weeks where it really does. It matters for all sorts of reasons, but it matters because you do want to beat this, this team two times in a row. And uh, there is some truth to the potential renaming. And maybe we'll ask Derek about that in a moment. But uh, we've got Derek on the phone here. So thanks for rolling with the punches, Mr. Taylor. So uh, what are the mistakes from last week's game that need to be corrected? Well, one of them was some unnecessary chances that uh, that guys took on defense. There was one play. Uh, Bombers had Saskatchewan pinned deep on their own end. It was second and 14 from their own four-yard line. And uh, their quarterback, Jake Dolagalli, young guy, you know, had not looked particularly good to that point, throws the, throws the pass. And Demario Houston tries to intercept it kind of unnecessarily so because – if he just the completion, if the completion happens and he makes the tackle, Saskatchewan has to punt, and the and the Bombers are probably in scoring range pretty quickly. But he tries for the interception, he misses. He's not then able to make the tackle because he went for the ball, and the Riders receiver, I think it was Tevin Jones, goes 64 yards, and you know they went, oh, that's that was an unfortunate kind of judgment of the the situation. There's also the the fact the offense it was what six points in the first half. There was some there's some slow start still for this Bombers offense, and we saw the week before. Okay, well, slow start turned into 47 points, uh, but uh, they just need to find a way to to get points up quicker and be able to to move the ball quicker, and maybe no early turnover as, as well. Those are a couple of the ones that stand out. When I was watching last week, you know, I noticed some of the tweets about Oliveira and the fact he was looking and, and marching towards, you know, a thousand yard rushing season. He was just shy of that last week. And and where do you put him in, in terms of the game and what he does in a game against a team like the Riders, Derek? He, he's so, I mean, he's so good in that he, when he runs exactly the way that Mike O'Shea wants a running back to to operate, you can, you can hear it in the coach's show when O'Shea talks about physical football and Brady talks about bully ball. He wants to be running over linebackers and defensive backs and, and creating more yards. So it's perfect for, for what the head coach wants. Uh, secondarily, when the passing offense isn't, isn't going, the Bombers have been able to run the ball effectively, even in the early stages of the game, right? Last week, Kolaris at one point was one for five for two yards, but there was Brady stampeding this guy hit for, you know, hit at two yards and, carries the guy for nine more yards down the field. It's been a very nice compliment that has honestly saved the Bombers in some spots this season. So uh, Brady has been fantastic and yet 10 yards away from a thousand. So he'll probably get that early on in the banjo bowl. Now, speaking of the name of the banjo bowl, because Loren spotted this this morning, there are some reports that the, the riders organization, in spite of the fact that some of the riders just don't care uh, that some of the uh, that the writers organization is uh, looking to rebrand the the game as the Labor Day rematch. Any thoughts on that? Um, yeah. So when I was in Sask, I don't remember ever hearing somebody connected to the writers refer to it as the Banjo Bowl. And I always thought that was funny because I, I always enjoyed, even when I was you know calling Saskatchewan Rough Rider games, I just thought the Banjo Bowl name was funny. And yes, it has insulting roots, but I thought it was funny and it created heat around the second game between the two. So uh, they've always, as far as I can remember, always called it the Labor Day rematch. I think Doug Brown did it best in our pregame show to point out that, you know, the Bombers are kind of the model franchise in the CFL right now. So the Labor Day game 
is kind of the warm-up to the big one, which is the Banjo Bowl. <laughs> so it, is the Labor Day game honestly just the Banjo Bowl warm-up at this point? And now Saturday is the big game. I think that might be a better way for Saskatchewan may be okay with that. I don't know. We'll, we'll pitch it to them and see what they think. Like the pre-Banjo Bowl. Like we could have a, a different, just a totally different name. We can rebrand it whatever we want. Who cares what the riders are doing? And and when you talk about just sort of the rivalry, the back and forth, this of what goes on here, Derek. Like we used to go into the Labor Day Classic and struggle, and we had some really bad years there. And the Banjo Bowl was kind of our redemption tour. It allowed us to felt like we were winning more of those games. But statistically speaking, are we even now, or do we still have a head? Are we still ahead in terms of how often we win this weekend? Oh, yeah, still ahead in terms of how often the, the Bombers win this weekend. And still, I mean, uncatchupably behind in, in the Labor Day games, right? There was that 11-year run where where the Bombers lost on Labor Day. But, I mean, the last couple of years, uh, 21 and 22, the Bombers won. And, you know, 21 was a real stomping in, in Saskatchewan where they took out the riders. So it's it's been a lot more in the Bombers' favor. This one got away from them. But, yeah, the Banjo Bowl is, is all the uh, – is is all the blue and gold side. So uh, that's that's kind of what we're, I think, as fans expecting on Saturday. Derek, I'm almost loath to ask this question, but people are asking, so I figure might as well ask. You know, I don't want to distract from the current Blue Bombers team, but Chris Streveler, former Bomber quarterback in town to sign autographs tomorrow between 1.30 and 2.30 in the tailgate area. Is there anything more to Streveler's presence in Winnipeg? I'm told there's not. Uh, he was released, so he's released by the Jets. He injured his thumb in training camp, but uh, again, you know, had a had a. Uh, he created some excitement, let's say, in the NFL preseason for the time that he was there. I'm told there's nothing more to it than bringing the banjo bull icon back here and having him sign some autographs and perhaps some bare chests if you happen to show up in a fur coat, guys or gals, whoever wants. Like, uh, there's just, it, it's just. I think it's just for for a good time. He. He was the leader of that 2021 Banjo Bowl in which the Bombers had lost. Uh, uh, oh, pardon me. It was – oh, I'm forgetting my years here. He, he led an absolute beatdown in that 2019 Banjo Bowl, 35-10. to 10. That's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, so I, I think they're just bringing back an, an icon of the game. You just said Canadian tuxedo. That's denim on denim, right? Like when you want to wear your – Correct. Okay, I had to look that up. I didn't have that off the top of my head. Are you sporting denim on denim tomorrow? I don't own denim on denim, unfortunately. So, and like no jean any... jacket, no jean yeah. button-up shirt. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to find some and have it branded. You know, CJ, 680 CJOB. <laughs> I think is probably the way I'll have to go with that. But yeah, unfortunately, no. I, I would actively encourage it because th- that's a spectacular look. <laughs> what time's the pregame show, Derek? Pre-game show at 1 o'clock, kickoff just after 3 o'clock. we got a ton of special guests. Chris Trevler will join us at, at 1.15, and we'll talk about the origins of the Banjo Bowl, and we'll talk about the headbutt, and hopefully for the last time we'll be talking about the headbutt that was. All right. Derek Taylor, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, thank you very much for joining us, sir. Thanks. And a reminder, the game day special, which we got to try on Wednesday, courtesy of the Bombers, who paid a visit to J.B. Mitchell, a cold J.B. Mitchell, the Banjo Burger, two all-beef patties, cheese, barbecue sauce, topped with crispy banana peppers on a brioche bun. And that can be found in sections 106 and 130 Red Zone and 206 and 229 Grid Iron Grill for 14 bucks. And uh, the Princess Auto tailgate area opens at noon. 
Yeah, gates open at 1.30. Chris Drevler will be doing uh, autographs from 1.30 to 2.30. And uh, we've fans are being encouraged to wear a Canadian tuxedo. And uh, there is going to be limited edition Banjo t-shirts available for purchase at the Bomber store. There's going to be country music uh, for the whole thing. So, yeah, Banjo Bowl, exciting stuff. Let's go. Whenever I think of denim on denim combos, I think of Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake. They showed up at the Grammys once. Just a lot of jean. A lot of jean. Look it up. It's a terrible look, which is why it's hilarious. Also, by the way, just on, uh, from switching from football to basketball, I should point out that the Canada will face the Americans at the World Cup for oh, the bronze lost. medal. They lost to Germany. It looks like the score was uh, 113-111. to Oh, wow. Close game. Oh, wow. Germany advancing. That would be fun. So yeah. We play, so we play America at some point around 3 a.m. Sunday, if I have that right. That's right. That's what our guest uh, Adam Wedlake was saying at uh, 7.05. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Canada, U.S. for bronze at the World Cup of Basketball and the Banjo Bowl Bombers and Riders tomorrow at IG Field. And again, pregame at 1 o'clock on 680 CJOB.